You're listening to Specscript. Today's episode, a special episode from Seattle, where Douglas Gale and Ryan Casey write Grey's Anatomy. Diagnosis, fun! Hey everybody, Chris here saying get ready to listen to our second ever episode recorded in Seattle. Remember, it's an away episode. So it's not recorded as sexily as it is when it is in Kelly's Olympian in Portland, Oregon. But you should know that because it's a traveling episode. So deal with it, babies. I love you and enjoy the episode. All right. All right. Yeah. Uh, and who is ready to start? Specstrap! Everybody give it up for Shane Hosey! Uh, everybody, uh, this is Shane Hosey, I'm Chris Automy. We are the two hosts of today's episode of Specstrip, uh, here in the amazing Scratch Deli. Welcome! Yeah. So, uh, Specstrip is a show where a cool person writes an episode of a TV show that they have never seen, and then we bring it to life on stage via table read. Uh, today's episode is... Grey's Anatomy! Uh, written by... Seattle Wonderkins, Douglas Gale, and Ryan Casey. Uh, we got an amazing episode. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's available on the River City Podcast Federation. It's Podcast Network. Now, everybody, uh, give it up for your stars as they come out on stage right now. Uh, so, you guys are going to sit down and talk. Uh, we uh, are a cool show, so check us out on various platforms. On Twitter, we are just Specstrip. We got Specstrip, isn't that great? Whoa, how did you do that? Uh, magic. To her- <laughs> I, I, I sold my magic beans for an Instagram handle. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Specstrip Show. Like us on Facebook, you know, drop an iTunes review. Check out previous episodes like our last time in uh, Seattle, almost a year ago, where Andy Iwancio wrote an episode of Gotham. Uh, I know, because, you know, Seattle, Gotham, same exact town. Yeah, uh, it's, it's based on the right. So we have our wonderful cast on stage right now, and what they're going to do is all of them are going to say their name, the character or characters they are reading for, and their favorite thing about Seattle. So I'll start that out. Uh, it's more touching coming from me because I'm visiting, but you guys know more about it. Hi, I am Chris Hotomy. I am reading the characters of Dr. House MD, Jameson, the world's sickest boy. That's one that's one character. Yeah, yeah. Jameson, comma, the world's sickest boy. Is he sick with all the Jameson he's drinking? Who knows? Um, and the doctor. Ooh. Who is uh, and my favorite uh, thing about Seattle, I should have closed out, because my favorite thing about Seattle is the wonderful talent uh, and wonderful people that or make up the Seattle comedy community. All right, all right, all right. I know. We get it, we get it. I also like that they have a sizzle pie here. How rad. <laughs> all right, all right. All right, moving on, on. Uh, I'm Douglas Gale. I uh, co-wrote this disaster. Um, I play Fabian Conacher. And Shonda Rhimes, the creator, the real creator of Grey's Anatomy. And uh, my favorite thing about Seattle is that uh, it has yet to fall into the ocean. Oh, that's so good. Um, my name's Bettina McKelvey. I will be reading the parts of Rick Rhymes. 
and Meredith Gray. And I don't know, I was in Seattle most of my life, and I don't know, we have really good murderers. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I like that fight. Hi, I'm Allison Lazat, and I'm going to be uh, Catherine Heigl. I'm going to, I'm going to be Fraser Crane and Rick Smaw. And I too have lived in Seattle my whole life. And I think the thing I like the most about Seattle is the um, lack of hundred degree days. Than the prevalence of coffee. Hi, I'm Wilfred Padua. I was speaking to you earlier. Um, I am playing Christina Yang, which I think was just a race decision. Um, I'm also playing Billy the Fight Club fan. That's what I'm uh, I don't like Seattle anymore, so my favorite thing about Seattle is when you get on a plane and you fly away from it, oh, it feels so warm and yummy. Um, that's it. Uh, hello, my name is Tiffany McGuire. I am playing the roles of Mick Steamy. Um, and one role that I can't give away yet, and uh, Patch Adams. Um, my favorite thing about Seattle is definitely Wilfred Padua. Are you kidding me? Look how adorable he is. He's so cute. That's it. I have one. I have one. I'm good. Uh, I'm Ryan Casey. I also wrote this. You're welcome. Uh, I'll be playing the part of Doogie Hauser and uh, the desk nurse and uh, Dr. Carrie Weaver. Um, my favorite thing about Seattle is that one day it will fall into <laughs> Uh, I'm Shane Hosey. I'll be playing the narrator slash stage director. Uh, and my favorite thing about Seattle is, I don't know, for Portland, impress me. How about that? Yeah. Impress me, Seattle. Got yet to do it yet. <laughs> Shania Twain over here. Just boo, boo all the narration. <laughs> uh, all right, well then, who's ready to start? Spectrum! Today's episode, Grey's Anatomy, Ready Grey's Anatomy, colon, patient zero, but the I is a one and the O is a zero. <laughs> um, written by Ryan Casey and Douglas Gale. Exterior, Exterior, Seattle skyline, day, but in the future. This is Seattle, 2049. It looks like Blade Runner, but the space needle is there. <laughs> It's raining, obviously. We see towering towers of windows and apartments. They are much taller than, building, than the buildings we have now, so you can just imagine how impressed you'd be. There are probably flying cars and a super fast train. Wait for it, did you see it? It was really fast. We zoom down towards the ground. Are we gonna smash into the sidewalk? No, because that's not really street level. There's even more buildings and apartments and things and people down here, but everyone is a lot poorer here, or maybe they're just, they just really like this neighborhood. Oh, and the whole time we hear the voice of Rick Rhymes, and then towards the end we see him too. He's the young nondescript man with the glasses right there. This is Seattle, the year 2049. 
It's still the fastest growing city in the world, and nobody can figure out why. I live in the old city, under the streets. The only good thing was when they added tier two and blocked out what little light the old city got. The rents actually came down a little. He walks towards his future apartment, which made out, uh, which made out of discarded green and yellow shared bikes lashed against him. <laughs> he walks slow, and we can see all kinds of people and things. They are familiar, but different, so you know the world feels real, and also in the future. <laughs> the other only good thing is we get all the new game tech first. Advantage of being in the fire underneath the frying pan. We can collect the drippings. Interior, apartment of bikes lashed together, day, and still in the future. Rick walks into the bike apartment and uh, straps into his game gear or what have you. It looks pretty funny. Most of us here live off the UBI, the universal basic income, and let me tell you, it's about as basic as it gets. I live on cup of noodles. You can pick up odd jobs online, but most of us spend that time playing in the zone. Now we get to see the game world as Rick sees sees it, but first we go through a swirly tube. In the zone? In the zone, you can do anything, be anything, be anyone. You want to be a doctor? You can be. That's what I do. I'm a doctor at Grace Hospital. <laughs> Exterior, virtual Seattle, day. The Seattle skyline of the early 2000s. Grace Hospital, a, a towering virtual spire of doctors and patients and rooms for them to be in. A tower clock of glass and steel thrusting into the Seattle skyline. Wow, just wow. <laughs> my real name is Rick Rhymes. My mom named me that because she thought it sounded cool. And I agree, it does sound cool. <laughs> we, we see an attractive 30-something doctor walking into the hospital. This is Meredith Gray, and she is Rick's avatar in The Zone. <laughs> But here in the zone at Grace Hospital, I'm Dr. Meredith Gray. I'm a doctor. I'm in my 30s, and I almost have my life together. Almost. I spend my days here saving lives and dropping trow. <laughs> Interior, hospital reception, day. Meredith enters and stops to chat with Susie, the attractive desk nurse. Hey, Meredith. Hey, Susie. Did you see the rain game last night? It was nuts. No, you know I didn't. Why the hell not? Well, I was sleeping. At 8 p.m.? I did 14 hours yesterday, and baby Benjamin is finally sleeping through the night every once in a while, so I've got to get my rest where I can. Well, it was nuts. I'll send you the highlights when I get a second. I'm kind of swamped right now. It's a little early for that. What's going on? Nothing exciting. A bunch of twisted angles and knees. It's like... Everyone decided to trip and fall their way down the stairs this morning. It's crazy. Well, I can relate. Don't even try to make me walk downstairs until I've had my coffee. <laughs> Attractive man doctor, Dr. Steve McSteamy, enters the frame looking funky. He's a typical cute boy doctor with above average looks, and he probably works out. Imagine an old Navy version of Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> Meredith, hey. Oh, hey, McSteamy. Hey, Susie. McSteamy, how are you, sweetie? I like that shirt. Oh, thanks. These are my favorite scrubs. I like the little whales. 
Those are those are more my sweetie. I know they're so cool. What are you doing? Working, duh. You want me to help some wrap wrap some of those ankles? It's pretty fun. It's like making mummies. <laughs> that sounds pretty fun. I wrapped a few that didn't need it just because I got carried away and it sort of evens out the look. <laughs> Maxime, you really love what you do, don't you? Of course, that's why I'm here, don't you? Yeah, I do. So what do you say? Patience? Listen, I would love to spend some time wrapping things with you. Nice. But I've got a meeting with Conacher in like five minutes. Yikes. Also sounds like fun. Listen, Conacher is the reason we're all here. If he needs five minutes, I have ten. There's some weird vibes here at Grace Hospital this morning, but I'm trying to shrug it off. You know, that's my nature. I do. It's adorable. <laughs> Listen, I gotta get back to these ankles. You need anything? You need a coffee? No, I have this one. All right, I'll be making monies. Okay, have fun. <laughs> I'll save you an ankle. <laughs> you really don't have to do that. The handsome Dr. McSteen can no longer hear Meredith. One of the hospital elevators opens, and attractive Dr. Christina Yang is inside. Hey. Hey. Did you get coffee? Got one right here. <laughs> well, come on, get in the elevator. I'll ride with you. Were you going somewhere? No, I was just riding the elevator up and down, trying to figure out what I was, what I wanted to do. <laughs> Bing! The elevator door closes, and they go up. Boy, this is a big, busy hospital. An instrumental music runs badly plays, and the elevator begins as they ascend. Is that McSteaming? Are you guys... Uh... Christina Yang motions an OK symbol with her left hand, and repeatedly inserts her right index finger into the ring created by her left index finger and thumb. Did you guys know that yet? Bing! What? No. Not like, not like today or anything. You bitch. What? Everyone bangs McSteamy. That's like a second job besides being a mediocre fake doctor. Hey, doctor. What? Fake doctor sounds like we're lying, but we're not. We're just playing doctor. Oh, fake play. Either way, no one gets hurt and he gets to wear those cute little doctor's outfits. Speaking of scrubs, yours are pretty flashy. <laughs> All of this. Meredith twirls, showing off her sexy formal evening wear scrubs. <laughs> I wore this to the sexy midnight doctor's formal last night. But when I logged into the zone this morning, for some reason I couldn't change it. Some kind of glitch or update, probably. Bing! Well, it looks fabulous. If it wasn't for our strong bond, platonic female friendship, and mutual respect, I'd offer to help you out of those scrubs, Meredith Gray. Glitch be damned. <laughs> oh, you're so bad! <laughs> I really am. You really are! <laughs> They both laugh, and then sigh contentedly. <laughs> Reveling in their platonic, but low-key sexy friendship. <laughs> well, I have a meeting with Fabian, so I don't mind looking a little flashy. Let him see what his sim is capable of. Do you wonder if Fabian wanders around the hospital, like in a different skin, just to be amongst his creation? If he didn't, it would be a shame. He should be able to enjoy all of this. Do you wonder if you ever maybe, like, sexy made out with Fabian and didn't even know it? No. I don't think he'd play like that. What? He's human, right? Like, supposedly? 
I mean, I run around here like crazy. <laughs> you already do. I do. I really, really do. <laughs> Christina trails off, smiling. Christina? Christina raises her eyebrow, suggestively. I can't right now. Maybe after lunch? All right, baby. Go get that meeting. <laughs> Meredith leaves the elevator. Christina pushes the button for every floor. <laughs> Elevator, can you wedge us between floors for a few minutes and play something sexy? I've got a little unwinding to do. A music version of Cindy Lauper's Sheba starts playing. <laughs> Christina leans against the back of the elevator and slides a hand slowly down her sexy doctor pants. Oh, yeah. Interior, big fancy boy office, day. Meredith enters Fabian's office. It's high up on a very important floor of the hospital, much nicer than bathrooms. Oh yeah, and there are still bathrooms in the zone, but I don't know how they work. Hello. Hello, my name is Fabian Conacher, and if you're hearing this, I'm dead now. What? What? Oh, hi, Greg. What are you streaming to, Twitch? No, just recording for myself. Okay, weird. Sometimes it's acceptable to keep thoughts private. Sure, I suppose, if you have thoughts you want to hide. Uh, hide, but maybe not broadcast. <laughs> Sounds the same to me. Have you had your coffee yet? Great. This is Seattle. I stopped twice for coffee before I even got onto the light speed rail. I'm good on the caffeine, and that's not what has me twitching. What is it, Fabian? Fabian lets out a deep sigh and leans back in his comfy leather chair. <sighs> All the sex. The fake doctoring. What about it? It's all I've ever wanted. <laughs> this was my life's dream, and I made it a reality. And for everyone, not just for me. And we are all forever grateful. We love this place. I love this place. Well, it's all over. What? You heard me. The dream is over. Everything will change. What are you saying? Today, Meredith, Grace Hospital gets its first real patient. What are you saying? Trust me, it wasn't my idea. This place was never supposed to be about helping people. <laughs> Patients, anyway. What are you saying? It's the Amazon Prime's mind idea. <laughs> Apparently the world needs human doctors after all. But we aren't real doctors. We're fake doctors. We're play doctors. I know that. Believe me, I know. Artificial intelligence, robots, computers, they do all the real medicine now. Well, apparently they aren't good at it. Why haven't I heard about this? Medicine is a strange science. It doesn't always make sense. Doesn't always follow the rules. Like humans not follow the rules. Exactly. And I think that they need someone to blame things on when they can't fix something. So they're giving us a patient. Oh, it's not just any patient. It's the world's sickest boy. <laughs> You're kidding me. The world's sickest boy is a boy who is very sick and no one can figure out why. All the robot doctors have tried and failed so far. He's probably about 12. Believe me, I wish I was. It's a test run and we have to get it right. And if we can't cure this patient... The world's sickest boy! If we can't cure the world's sickest boy by the end of the day, then Grace Hospital will be retooled and pivoted into a for-profit online virtual medicine college. No! <laughs> and then none of us will be sexy doctors. <laughs> and my dream will be dead. He's 
So, so what are we going to do? What else can we do? We're going to be doctors, damn it. <laughs> the opening credits start. A bouncy and forgettable pop song plays throughout. It's all quick, smooth transitions between stuff like the space needle to a hypodermic needle to people making out. Hey, the Fremont Toll. Oh, hey, now he's got a stethoscope and a doctor's hat. And there's two characters from the show making out in front of the troll. Now it's like comic Seattle sandwich shop slash performance space to scratch deli. One of the talented and attractive employees is cutting a sandwich in half. Now it's a cadaver and two sets of hands are cutting into it. Gross. But doctors have to learn so that we let them practice on dead people. Life is weird. One person's, one person's hat makes the okay sign over the cadaver. The other person inserts their index finger into the okay hole, picks their finger out, and repeats this several times in rapid succession. For many people, this is their favorite part of the show. Now satisfied with this abstract mimicking of sexual intercourse, they turn off their TV and go to bed. Good night, loyal credits opening viewer. You're truly a breed apart. The finger-fucking scene dissolves into the words, Grey's Anatomy. The title of the episode, Ready Grey's Anatomy 2049, Patient Zero, with a one for an I and a zero for a C. Fade out. Interior hospital room. If there's one thing Grey's Hospital has, it's rooms with beds in them. Far more than is needed, even for the numerous simulated patients that are housed and treated there. In one such oddly luxurious hospital room, we find attractive blonde woman, Catherine Heigl, and barely legal boy doctor, Doogie Hauser, enjoying the post-coital conversation. Holy shit, that was some good sex. Yeah, there were a couple firsts in there for me, I can say that right now. Nobody has ever been so attuned to my needs. Well, they seem obvious to me. Oh, Doogie Hauser. Catherine Heigl, you are amazing. Shut up. You shut up. I'll fucking kill you. Listen, this is great, but I, I need to make rotations. <laughs> shut up, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> If only the sick could heal themselves. It would mean more super cool orgasms. I wouldn't mind. <laughs> but, then we wouldn't be sexy doctors, we'd just be... Sexy? Yeah, that's totally not enough. You're goddamn right it's not. <laughs> In order for people like us to reach those kind of rocking, spine-twisting orgasms we know and love, we need to know that there's that we're not just regular people. We're doctors, or at the very least, a registered nurse. <laughs> yes, doctors. Healers. Sexy healers. Right. <laughs> Keep calculating minds that know how to cut a person open, fix their insides up, stuff them back in, and sew it all back together right. Doogie, his refractory period shortened by Caitlin Heigl's sexy monologue, tries to unbutton his doctor shirt. Stitches so perfect, so sublime, it's like we never chopped them up in the first place. Healing bodies, leaving no trace. Catherine Heigl trails off as she notices Doogie jumping up and down, struggling to remove his clothes. Hello? What are you doing? I was having a moment here. I know, I know, and I was hoping that that moment would lead to another moment, a sexy moment between us. Well, it could, but you seem to be struggling. It's these awesome scrubs! I can't get them off, it's like they're stuck! You didn't need them off a minute ago. Yeah, but I like to change things up for round two. <laughs> Doogie has one foot braced against the big hospital thing as he pulls on his shirt to no avail. Well, how about I get a head start while you figure your shirt out? Yes, fine. Let's see you try. <laughs> Catherine Heigl tries to free those sweet top knots from their practical yet flattering polyester prison. That's a no avail. 
This is serious, Catherine Heigl. I can't take off my clothes. How can I be a sexy doctor if I can't get naked? How can I enjoy the full bounty of my body if it's trapped in clothed mode? Meredith is knocking on the door, but not waiting to enter. Hey, everyone decent in here? Unfortunately, yes. Meredith, nice dress scrubs. You look hot. <laughs> Thank you, Catherine Heigl. I love your melon. <laughs> well, if they were trapped in a polyester purgatory, I'd let you say hello to the girls. Maybe once we get today's update, things can get a little more fun around here. A series of conflicting emotions flash across Meredith's face. So it's, it's, it's not only me? No one else can change their clothes either? Change them, no, but way more importantly, we can't take them off. Well, it didn't stop you from being sexy with me just now. I told you, I'd like to change these up around too. <laughs> also, I want to see those two bad boys. <laughs> Doogie Hauser makes figure guns at Catherine Heigl's breasts. Stop pointing at my tits, please. Okay, let's wait till lunch. That's usually when the daily update loads. Oh, but that's like an hour! Well, right now we have something way more important to worry about. Spill it, you minx. <laughs> okay, but uh, hold on to your butts. Jurassic Park, classic. I met with Fabian this morning. Humble brag. Shh. The Amazon Prime mind is sending us a real patient. Shut up. Don't tell me to shut up. Don't you tell her to shut up. <laughs> I meant it as an exclamation. That's what you said. I wasn't, tell I wasn't telling her to shut up. That, that is what That's you said. That's what you said. I meant it as an exclamation. <laughs> Catherine and Doogie are stunned. This is a sexy doctor simulation. They have no business dealing with a real patient. But this is just a sexy doctor simulation. We have no business dealing with a real patient. When <laughs> I can't take off my clothes, how can I be a sexy doctor if I can't see my doctor ding dong? <laughs> this is more important than your ding dong. This is the world's sickest boy we're talking about. Oh, sick little boy. I know. It sucks. Hey, I used to be a little boy. Shut up! Shut up! Shut the fuck up! Shut the fuck up! Jesus! Seriously! No! If we don't cure this boy, this Amazon Prime mime will convert the entire hospital into a for-profit online sexy medical college with lifetime work to play plans for the human students. We can't let this happen! I don't know what that means. Exactly! So what do we do? What do we do, Catherine Heigl? We do what we were born to do. We doctor the shit out of this shit. <laughs> the elevator opens, and the disheveled Christina is seen slumped on the floor and clearly masturbating. Yes, yes. Oh, God, it's good. <laughs> oh, what's up? <laughs> well, until you need my adolescent adjacent doctor expertise, I will be tinkering with the clothing app. Isn't it a little late for a B-story? <laughs> no, duty is right. I've got the same problem, so it might not be a glitch. A virus? Exactly. And we can't afford an anti-sexy virus. Not today. Doobie, find McSteamy, get your dick brains out of your asses, and see if you two could be useful for a change. Whoa. Everyone who is not a man stares at Doobie. Come on, it. Doobie runs off in search of McSteamy. 
Catherine Heil, you sexy beast. You're with me. Ooh, yes, Doctor. Are we gonna... Is there time to make out? <laughs> if there isn't time to make out, then what are we even fighting for? <laughs> now give me those big blonde face lips of yours. <laughs> Meredith Grey consensually grabs Caitlin Catherine Heigl and pulls her in for a kiss. They smooch faces big time. Kiss, 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 smooch, smooch, smooch. <laughs> Interior, super fancy hospital science lab day. McSteamy and Doogie Hauser are looking into beakers and science scoop and studying computer screens with medical stuff on them. Doogie Hauser looks up from a microscope in frustration. I'm getting nothing over here. No traction. Yeah, this virus is really busting my nuts. <laughs> we have to find a cure. We will. It's impossible to have sexy adult time shenanigans with all of our clothes on. Well, you can. Well, not if you like to change things up around, too. No, I get that. You know. I know. Don't you think I know? No, 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 you get it. <laughs> McSteamy pulls at his scrubs, trying in vain to lift his shirt over his head. Believe me, I know. Plus, you feel trapped in your clothes skin. I can't. <laughs> Get anxious when I can't even just loosen my tie a little. <laughs> McSteamy stops whatever science doctor stuff he's doing to look at Duke. Well, I think you look good in that tie. Well, that's not the point. I know I look good in this tie. Oh, sorry I said anything. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm a little stressed out. I get it. It's okay. I, uh, I like your killer whale scrubs. <laughs> There are goes but thanks. <laughs> Let's just figure this thing out, you know, together. I love being doctors. Me too, McSteamy. <laughs> Meanwhile, far away in another part of the hospital, Christina is making her rounds. She's wearing a cool, almost pumpkin-colored scrubs. Hey there, Billy. How are you feeling? Tapioca pudding for dessert today, so it can't be all bad. I do love tapioca. <laughs> I can't stand it. Well, we have a lot in common, I guess. Tell me, Dr. Yang, are you a cinephile? And then Christina said, I enjoy the Thomic Arts, yes. And then Billy said, I knew it. Have you seen the most recent remake of Fight Club? Oh, uh, no. I think it reveals a lot more backstory for the mechanic. How freaking frequent are your headaches? Did you know that if you play all three versions of Fight Club together at the same time, it can cause the cognitive dissonance required to split one's personality into one into more manageable facets? It's actually quite therapeutic in an aggressively experimental way. I know, Billy, that that's why you're locked in observation, and I'm speaking to you from the other side of about a foot or so of replica replicated glass. Jesus Christ, this seems so long. <laughs> <laughs> it's just funny. It's a funny situation, I think. All right, anyway, watch all the fight clubs from the beginning, and I'll see you tomorrow. We'll talk Nolan versus Fincher versus Mc... McManaman, McManaman. <laughs> because they're all great. Fight Club. Fight Club. Okay. <laughs> in, in the defense, that was a pretty Tyler Durden scene right now. 
Christina exits the hospital quarantine chamber and that holds Billy the Fight Club fan and joins Meredith and Catherine in quarantine too. They are observing a patient. God, I hate Billy, that douchebag. Nothing but Fight Club with that inbred. Christina! I'm sorry, he's an asshole. He makes me an asshole. That's their power. I need to take a 10. Oh, I need to take a 10. I'll be another. <laughs> Dr. Yang, I want you to meet Jameson, the world's sickest boy. <coughs> Hello. <laughs> Hi, Jameson. My friends call me <coughs> Jamie. Okay, nice to meet you, Jamie. Oh, I've never watched a Fight Club movie, and I never will. <laughs> Already. I don't really have time to hate watch many things. <laughs> <laughs> but I might consider it if you think it's that bad. Oh, don't let it into your sweet head. We're about to hang out and watch some Winter Olympics. Oh, Dr. Eagle said that they only happen every four years. So this might be my last chance to see them. I did not say that. <laughs> Jamie, we're just gonna have a little doctor talk, okay? We'll be right here, okay? <coughs> I'm fine with the TV, thanks. But could I get some lunch, please? Of course, sweetie, what would you like? Oh, can they make me a tuna melt? I did over tuna melts. Oh no, I'm sorry. Tuna's an outside food, Jamie. Meredith clicks the intercom to the quarantine too. What are we gonna do? That boy's so sick. Look how sick he looks. <laughs> Never mind that. Look at these charts. I don't know what this all means, really, but it doesn't look good. I mean, these numbers aren't normal. But there's no prognosis. We need some outside help. Interior, super fancy hospital science lab. Montage of Dookie Hauser and McSteamy doing science things. McSteamy looks longingly at Dookie when Dookie has his back turned. Both of them on a whiteboard, furiously writing and erasing. At the top, in big block letters, the word CLOTHES is circled with a line through <laughs> Dookie typing on a computer faster and faster, and then pushing it, off, pushing it all off the fancy science desk. McSteamy puts a comforting arm around Dookie Hauser. Hey, it's okay, man. I know we can do this. Dookie pushes him away from the clear glass desk in frustration. Fudge this noise. I'm calling you a consultant. He stands and moves his hands around in the air. He's swiping up and down. There's a CGI computer interface matching his movements. We see a list of names scroll past very fast. You make a mental and to freeze this later when it's released on DVD to see if there are any funny names on the list. <laughs> Doogie swipes right on the name Dr. Gregory House. There's a sparkly effect and Dr. House appears. He's a human-sized house with arms and legs. <laughs> his top four windows are his eyes, his mouth is a normal human mouth, he's wearing a lab coat and a stethoscope. Classic Dr. House. <laughs> Dr. House scowls, looks around the room skeptically, and turns to Dookie. What the fudge do you, Wayne Rods, want? <laughs> Cowboy Dr. House. McSteamy and Dookie stare at the talking house. Not what I expected. You watch Dr. House? 
Well, come on, ding-dongs. Don't just stand there jibber-jabbing with your wee-wees in your hands. What do you want? There's this virus. It's preventing us from hanging off our clothes, and we're trying to... Lupus! Lupus. An injection of lupus should fix everything. (laughs) Dr. House reaches into his top floor to pull out a comically large Mm. hypodermic needle. Okay, yeah, we can schedule some trials, maybe, and... Noink! McSeeny grabs the needle and chants it into his leg. Oh, yeah. That's fine, lupus. (laughs) McSeeny... I feel... uh, I feel... uh, McSeeny collapses to the ground, making weird gurgling noises, and begins writhing around his head. What's happening to him? He's got lupus molecules coursing through his body. Probably hurts like a bastard on a country road. (laughs) (laughs) Sure hope this works. Oh, you hope it works? McSteamy looks up from the floor. His face is sweaty and lumpy. His eyes are glowing yellow. (laughs) What did you give me? Look here, sunshine. You're the one who... House is interrupted by a shriek of pain from McSteamy. He flops around in pain some more, and then we see him start to transform. Limbs lengthen, bones crack, and hair, so much hair everywhere. His chest expands, ripping off his shirt. Claws extend from his fingers. Oh, look, there go his pants. <laughs> what once was McSteamy stands up unsteadily. He's now a werewolf. A naked werewolf. <laughs> oh, am I McWolfie? Okay. Oh, this is this is now McWolfie. <laughs> I'm a werewolf. You made me a dang werewolf. Yeah, but a naked werewolf. <laughs> you wanted your clothes off, and now they're off. Oh. <laughs> well, looks like my work here is done. Like a tumbleweed in a country sunset. I need to roll on out of here. <laughs> you can't go. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to be a werewolf! Oh, how's out? Then you definitely should not have injected yourself with lupus. Uh, turns out it turns you into a werewolf, and everybody knows that. House gives a sarcastic salute and disappears. Ta-ha! <laughs> so, uh, how you feeling, McWolfie? McWolfie sits down at the science lab station and pushes over a beaker like a petulant teenager. What sure is this? Doogie puts an arm around McWolfie. Hey, don't worry, man. We'll figure something out. We're doctors, remember? Sexy doctors. You're darn right. <laughs> Say, do you still have, you know, all your uh, equipment? McWolfie looks down at himself. Gee, I think so. Why? Well, we did manage to get your clothes off. Uh, seems like a shame to let that go to waste. <laughs> That's true. And, uh... Having sexy times is a big part of being sexy doctors. <laughs> that and I've always wanted to blow a wolf. <laughs> Seriously? That seems really specific. <laughs> Shut up and kiss me, you sexy hairy beast. Doogie dramatically sweeps away the science stuff from the lab counter and pulls McWolfie in for some heavy man on werewolf kissy time. <laughs> Interior quarantine two. The room is white and sterile. Every piece of furniture and equipment is white and or wrapped in plastic and sterile. Once the door closes, you can't even see it anymore. 
It's kind of freaky, but that's the price you pay for zero germs. The world's sickest boy is being frail and sick in a white hospital bed. It looks like his he coughed too hard, he totally died. <laughs> Meredith, Catherine, and Christina stand aside, scrolling through a floating display of virtual assistants. It's a list of doctors from throughout pop culture that can be summoned for assistance. Man, man, they're mostly men. Oh, Pat Adams! Meredith swipes right on the name. A man oh. in a Hawaiian shirt, scrubs, and a red rubber nose appears. It's Patch Adams from the movie. Patch Adams. <laughs> oh, hey there, little guy. How about this nose I got on? It's not my real nose. That's the one I lost in a horrific farting accident. <laughs> oh, no. It's my dang nose. Blown off by farts. I'll never see it again. I guess I'll live... A, I guess I'll, I'll forever have this big red false nose to show the world I still have a face. Oh, my God. Cancel program, please. Goodbye. <laughs> what about Doctor Who? What? A foppish space wizard appears. <laughs> oh, well, I suppose I'm here now, but I really don't think I'm the one you need help from. Maybe if you hear the blues call and or toss the salads and scrambled eggs, you might be closer to your answer. Cosmic Time Lord out. <laughs> A foppish space wizard disappears. Cheerio! <laughs> Who the fuck was that? <laughs> you? You haven't seen Doctor Who? He's not a real doctor, but he is cute and offers good advice. That's Frasier. Frasier? Frasier. Smarmy Dr. Frasier Crane, receding hairline and all, appears. I don't feel my ears are burning. <laughs> That's a really good Frasier. <laughs> oh, hello. Is that Dr. Meredith? Ray that has beckoned me through the ethereal net. Hello, Fraser. <laughs> well, please don't sound too excited. I will. Trust me. Did you require my assistance, or are you just here to torment me slightly? It could be both. Of course. Well, proceed. Inform me, please. Where is the patient? <coughs> I'm right here. Of course he is. Hello, young master. Jameson, is it? Jamie is fine. <laughs> Jameson, how are you feeling? Sick. <laughs> well, there you have it. He's sick. That's it? That's all he got? What do you want from me? I'm a TV radio call-in psychologist, and this is the world's sickest boy. The only way I could help you would be if all of his symptoms were purely psychosomatic. <laughs> Wait a minute, let me see those charts. A hand reaches out and grabs the chart from Fraser's hand. Excuse me, who are you? Dr. Carrie Weaver. Thank you very much. Step aside, Fraser. Dr. Carrie Weaver from ER is now here. <laughs> she, steps up, she steps up to the hospital bed. Fraser and his easily bruised ego backs away. <laughs> Thank you for coming so quickly, Dr. Weaver. Well, that's my job, isn't it? Uh, of course. So this is the world's sickest boy. That's him. Where's the world's sickest girl? There isn't one. Right on. <laughs> Fraser leans in. Shall I just leave then? No, just stand there and have that hair. <laughs> well, I suppose I do have a distinct look. Oh, shut up for a minute! <laughs> I need to see a full medical history. Spread it out before my eyes. The length and breadth of the world's sickest boy's health record appears floating in the air. 
Carrie Weaver does all that air computer stuff that you'd expect. Rapid scrolling, pitching and zooming, grabbing the record, scrutinizing it, and then tossing it away, rotating 3D axes with her hands. With one final suit of her arm, she dismisses the expansive special effect. It's expensive and expensive. <laughs> there is no pattern. Are you sure? Of course. Then what do we do? There's no pattern. You said that already. No. If there is no pattern, then that's the only pattern. What are you uh, saying? It is psychosomatic. My god. <laughs> what we need is the device from the movie The Cell that Jennifer Lopez uses to go inside Vincent and Ivory's brain, and we need it stacked. Are you sure? Do we really have time to question this idea? I mean, I, I can get the machine. I just need to pull it from the archives. Oh, we're really going to do this? Who's going in? Well, uh, I'm not going because I've seen that movie. Besides, I'm not a child psychologist. I'm chief of me emergency medicine at County General. <laughs> Don't you have a resident child psychologist? I have something even better. Is this the siren call of fate I hear upon the wistful winds of chance? <laughs> <laughs> or we could send in Fraser. <laughs> Interior. Bikes lashed together apartment. Night. Rick Rhymes pulls off his goggles and st starts unbuckling himself from the game harness. Well, gotta pee, gotta pee, gotta pee! That's <laughs> that, sweetie! I'm just taking a bathroom break, Mom! Game harness off, Rick dashes to the bathroom. How's the game today? Mom, I'm in the bathroom! I think I'm gonna make a little dinner. Are you hungry? Are you at a stopping point? No, <laughs> Mom, no! I'm still playing right now and it's really important. It's the sickest boy in the world. <laughs> okay, sounds fun. I'm gonna make some pasta, but I'm gonna leave the rest in the fridge for when you're done if you want. Oh, thanks, Mom. I'll be down later. Rick Rhymes bolts out of the bathroom and back into his room at the VR harness. Interior, Dreamscape Incursion War, night. It's always, it's always night in here. The machine from the movie The Cell is set up here. It's not so much a machine as it is some strange suits that look like muscle sinew and a little glowing handkerchief to drape over your eyes as you're suspended horizontally about, the, about a table height off the floor, presumably for a purpose. You know, like The Cell. The real magic is going in on in the computers and in your head. Dr. Fraser Crane enters wearing one of the strange suits. The world's sickest boy is already wearing his. He is harnessed horizontally above the floor and ready to go. Well, I hope you all know what you are doing. Oh, we don't. Because while I am no means a complete stranger to the technology advanced and experimental climbs of abnormal psychology, it is suffice to say this is a touch outside my customary professional milieu as a popular radio personality. Though my contact with such a broad base of patients does grant me a certain specific advantage when dealing with what is ultimately a large set of unknown variables. That being said, this suit is really riding up my keister. <laughs> Fraser wiggles a bit, trying to dislodge the sinew from his little butt. <laughs> Get that geek horizontal, we're in a time crunch here. Well, I... Relax, Fraser. Think of it like one of your collars. You start off cold, but after five minutes you can figure out what's the matter with them. I suppose I can handle that. We'll take care of the rest. Meredith, will you do me a favor? Of course. Just 
Stay with me. I'll be right here. Thank you. I feel better about this already. And remember, nothing in here is real. Nothing can hurt you. It's merely a simulation. Of course. Oh, shoot, is that my light? <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course. Hold on, I'm trying to turn the page on <laughs> But if you die in the simulation, you die here too. What was that last <laughs> We're ready in here. Let's fire this baby up. Hold on to your butts! Nice. <laughs> I love it. If this doesn't work, let's get Jeff Goldblum in here. Ooh, yeah! yeah let's focus up, people. So I'm just here to lie here and drift off into slumber because that's what everyone shouting may prove a bit difficult. Oh, no, no. We're going to put you out. Meredith? Nighty-night, Dr. Crane. Just don't let me stop <laughs> Fraser immediately begins to snore. His mouth widened and the camera dives in past his teeth and down his throat. Realizing its mistake, the camera turns around and heads up his nose and into his brain cell. We see giant brain cells and electricity signals and blooper clips from the 11 illustrious seasons of NBC's hit sitcom, Frasier. We pull back from one of the shots of Frasier's face and we see exterior dreamscape. Day, but weird and dreamy. Frasier is plummeting from the sky at a frightening rate through a blank of blanket of heavy clouds hanging over the long gray beach. The dangerous fall ends as Frasier touches lightly down on the beach. He is seemingly alone. Ah! Where in blazes am I? Is this even Washington or I get it sucked all the way into Oregon somehow? I can't seem to remember. <laughs> Oregon, gross. <laughs> Frasier may be alone, but that's no excuse not to narrate his life out loud. This is the last time I don't have dinner before a gallery opening. The hors d'oeuvres are never enough, and the wine is far too free. Now look at me, on a beach, in my shoes. I just bought these moccasins at Nordstrom yesterday, and now here they are most likely ruined. Frazier leans down and fussily brushes sand away from his moccasins. Will you please shut up already? And just take your shoes off. This beach isn't even real. You're not going to cut yourself on glass or anything. Frazier stands up and looks. Frazier stands up in shock and sees a woman seated comfortably on a large driftwood tree trunk. It's Shonda Rhimes, creator of the original Grey's Anatomy and countless other successful intellectual properties. She pats the space next to her. Come here, sit down. We have to talk. Shonda Rhimes, what on earth are you doing here on the Oregon coast? I like it here. You don't like it? Well, no. I, I suppose it is rather a lovely day. I don't take enough time to stop and look at the ocean. I'm always so busy producing successful intellectual properties. <laughs> Even at my age, it's hard to remember to stop and take it all in. I often find myself in the same predicament. The beauty of the world flies by our face and we're more concerned about who's paying the check. It's important to forget all this shit once in a while, even if only for a few minutes. Speaking of forgetting something, I feel like there is something I myself am forgetting. You're supposed to be curing the world's sickest boy and staying in the hospital. My god, of course. Relax, you already did. It's me! I'm the world's sickest boy! You are? Yeah, I'm most of the stuff around here. I uploaded myself in the cloud years back. All the other TV executives talked about it, but I was the first to do it for real. And I've been creating ever since. The world's sickest boy was a chance to see everyone try and pull off some real doctoring. And it 
kind of work. I feel better and the show will go on. Sexy doctors for life. <laughs> so what do I tell them? You, come on, you're a radio personality. Make some bullshit up. Shonda Rhimes walks away from Frasier, talking to herself. I have to come up with everything all the time. I just wanted like a five minute break. <laughs> well, it looks like mission accomplished. Frasier looks around, down at his shoes, and up into the sky. What? What, what do I do now, Shonda? Frasier is sucked back up into the sky. Shonda closes her eyes, takes a deep breath of ocean air, and exhales smiling. I should write a show about sexy doctors in space. <laughs> Interior. Dreamscape incursion ward. Night, of course. Frasier <laughs> is still sitting horizontally on his, in his muscle sinew suit, glowing handkerchief covering his face, Meredith at his side. I'd like to stand up now. A table rises futuristically from the floor, allowing Frasier to be unharnessed. What happened? I wasn't snoring, was I? Frasier. What? Everything is fine, I think. Mission accomplished. What does that even mean? Um, hey. The world's sickest boy takes the glowy handkerchief off his face. He looks much better already. Jameson. <coughs> oh, mm. Could I have some water, please? Of course, sweetie. Fraser, how did you do it? Well, what do you think I did? I'm a doctor after all, not just a radio personality. I am feeling much better. Jameson, we're gonna get you out of that muscle sinew suit in a second, okay? Oh, I'm okay. It looks real, real cool. You look very cool, Jameson. Is that you, Cotton Michael? <laughs> yeah, I'm right here. All right, this was all very intense. What a trip. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna go in the elevator, okay? Christina again enters the elevator and braces herself against the back wall. Elevator, you know the drill. It's the music version of Sheepon from earlier plays in the elevator. God, I love this place. Interior, big fancy boy office, night. Fabian Conacher is at his desk, smiling. Meredith enters and jumps up from, and he jumps up from his chair. Meredith, we did it! You did it! I know! We doctored! Now my dream can continue! Oh, I'm so happy. I have to go help McSteenie with some ankles, but I wanted to stop it. Ah, get out of here, Meredith Gray! Okay! As the door of Fabian's office closes behind Meredith, Fabian turns over to his shoulder and morphs into Shonda. Yeah, I'm this asshole too. <laughs> Interior, hospital hallway. McSteenie and Catherine are walking down the hallway together. I owe you and Doogie a big thank you for fixing that virus thing. It feels so good to know that I can take my clothes off again. We called in a consultant. Dr. House? Uh, that jerk gave you lupus. No, it was the EMH from Star Trek Voyager that did the trick. <laughs> it really is all men on that consultant's list, isn't it? Meredith swoops in from a connecting hallway and joins them. Meredith, there you are. We're gonna wrap ankles. Yeah, there's still a ton to do. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I have to get home for baby Benjamin soon, so I need to get out of here. More ankles for us. We'll see you tomorrow, Gray. Have you seen Christina? She's probably still on the elevator. <laughs> the sexy Dr. Trio reaches Susie, the, equal, the equally sexy desk nurse. Meredith, did you watch those highlights from the rain game I sent you? I've been busy. Give me a break. 
I'll wash them when I get home. You will not. I promise. As Meredith exits Grace Hospital for the day, she turns around to look back at the gleaming spire of play medicine. Satisfied for today, she slips off her VR goggles and into Rick Rhymes and standing in his room at his mother's apartment. He looks directly into the camera and smirks. <laughs> Rick continues to smirk as the credits roll. The end! Everyone, that has been the Facts Ready, Grey's Anatomy, patient zero. It's the one and a zero. Uh, everybody, it was written by Brian Casey and Doc Pascal. Give it up for everyone you saw on this beautiful, wonderful stage today. Bettina uh, McKelvey. Tiffany McGuire, the two writers, Ryan Casey and Douglas Gale. Uh, we've been your hosts, me, Chris Otomy, me, Shane Hosey, behind the plate. Hey, give it up to Daniel O'Connell at Scratch Deli, one of the plates. Um, it's a great show. Check this show, Specscript, out uh, on social media. You know, like Specscript Show on Twitter, uh, Facebook is just Specscript and like us, uh, Specscript on Instagram. We're pretty cool. We do a lot of fun stuff. If you're ever down in Portland on the second Sunday of every month, we do it at Kelly's Olympia. It's a cool place. It's really fun. And that's where there's wrestling also. Uh, so, uh, you know, if you're like, I don't really like TV, but I do like seeing some slam boys. Well, that's, uh, that's it. Uh, this has been really fun. Uh, we will be back in Portland a lot sooner than you may think. So, not Portland, Seattle. I've been drinking a lot of wine. Uh, everyone, thank you so much. Give yourself a round of applause for a great audience. Thanks for listening to SpecScript. Come to our next live episode, August 12th, where Lydia Manning writes Entourage. And then on September 7th, come to Rose City Comic Con, where Stephen Wilbur writes Pokemon. Gotta catch that panel!